Philippians chapter 4, this is a, a familiar verse that we, that we look at a lot here at Life Church, and especially at this time of year when Paul writes in the fourth verse and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of import, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these you do them, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to talk just for a little while today about living with an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. I know it sounds like a, a common stock message for, for, for Thanksgiving week, but honestly, it's one of my favorite messages to relay, and that is to live with an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude every moment, every day, of our lives. Can I tell you, growing up, I, I had the privilege today of having both of my siblings in service with me today. Uh, my brother Jason and his wife Leslie and family are back there. In fact, just we're going to do it old-fashioned church style. You guys stand just for a minute. Let us welcome you all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. And, um, and so I have to, okay, so I, I, this just dawned on me and I have to share this. My brother, uh, they live in Nashville up there with all the country music stars and and all of that, and uh, live in a big, nice, swanky neighborhood and all that. I wish they'd send some of that money down here to Louisiana. But anyway, people ask me what my brother does for a living. I said, he and his family grow trees in the backyard where they just, you can go pluck fields off anytime you want to. That's, just, that's what they do for, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I say that to say this. I, some of you may or may not know this. I had a little bit of a disappointing week last week, and uh, I'm over it, though. It's all good. It's all good. We're moving on. But, but, uh, but my brother, bless his heart, he drove all the way down here from Nashville to surprise me on that day, uh, and, and what a joy that was, and I was overwhelmed with emotion, and, and uh, it was great to have him here. And he knew how heartbroken I was and disappointed I was. And so on, I think it was either Sunday evening or Monday evening after that, he FaceTimes me. My brother never FaceTimes me. And, uh, but anyway, he FaceTimed me. He said, hey, man. He's got this little, little smirky look on his face. I, I just wanted to call and see how you doing. How's everything? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I want you to meet a couple of my buddies. He's sitting on his back porch just hanging out by a fire or something. And he puts the phone over here to one buddy. I don't know what his name Brad was or something. He said, oh, and here's Shay. How many of you know Dan and Shay, the, 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 the country music artist? Shay's sitting there on his back porch, and they're just hanging out and visiting. Hey, buddy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden, my attitude, hey, man, it's good to see you. I saw you on the CMAs this past week. Great job on your song. I mean, just whatever. What an idiot. I'm that guy. I'm that guy that when I end up in an elevator with a celebrity, you know, I'm, I'm, I, don't, you know I don't know what to say, so I say something just dumb and stupid, you know, like, oh, you, you know who you are? <laughs> no, it never dawned on me who I was, but... Anyway, thank you for that little surprise um, as I'm sitting there in my in pajamas um, <clears throat> on FaceTime. But my brother and sister are here with me today, and they can testify to this. They can, they can tell you that, you know, we didn't get a ton of spankings growing up. We, did, we, didn't, we didn't get beat all the time. 
Every now and then we did, and, and when we did, it was memorable. We, we definitely would remember those moments because uh, it, it, it made quite the impact, I will tell you that. But, but we didn't have a lot because here's the thing. We didn't always get in trouble for the things that other most kids would get in trouble for. We didn't necessarily get in trouble because we told a fib or we came in a little late or we, we might have uh, you know, done something we weren't supposed to do that was outside the lines or the boundaries. Usually there seemed to be a lot of grace in, in mom and dad's house for those kind of things. Well, you did something, don't do that again. You know, that was kind of the deal. But here's what we got our whoopings for. Here's why the spankings came. It was never because of the white lie. It was never because of going outside the bounds. It was always over one thing, attitude. It was all, <laughs> Baylor, amen. <laughs> got one amen in the house, Baylor, Cobb. Wow, it was always over attitude because there was a there was a there's a there's a common phrase that was used in our house all the time growing up and it's one that I try to live by today I don't know that I do a good job at it but it's simply this attitude is everything attitude determines everything it's been said attitude is the paintbrush of the mind and we determine the picture attitude is the paintbrush of the mind and we can decide what that picture is going to look like. Everyone wants to live the most fulfilled life. They all want to live that life that is full of purpose and full of meaning. And I believe that living that fulfilled, purpose-filled life begins with attitude. Attitude is everything. In the first four verses of this passage that we read this morning, Paul, he describes what a fulfilled life is. He, he's kind of giving a description of it. And the first description of a fulfilled, purpose-filled life is one who, first and foremost, celebrates God always and in everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he, he, he overemphasizes it. He says, and again I say, in other words, if you didn't hear it the first time, if you didn't get it the first time, let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Celebrate God. Celebrate him in all that we do in every moment of our life to celebrate him too many times we're giving too much time too much credence too much too much attention to to, to the events of life to the to the encounters that we have to the appointments to the struggles and what what Paul is saying here is that always in all things all the time celebrate God celebrate him find him in everything I'm convinced that we can find him in every single moment of our lives. Some people say, well, I went through this. There's no way God was anywhere near that. God might not have caused it. God might not be the one who brought that confusion. In fact, we know that he didn't because he's not the author of confusion. But we can find him in it. So we celebrate God always. He's describing a fulfilled life. The, ne the next description is in verse 5 of this fulfilled, purpose-filled life. It is one who adds value to people. Adds value to people. He says, let your gentleness be made known to all men. I believe that people that are living a, a, a fulfilled life, a purpose-filled, a purpose-driven life is one who's decided that it's not about me. It's not about me. It's the kind of people that when you have a conversation with them, 90% of the conversation is about you. They want to know about you. They want to know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you've ever been a part of the conversations where 90% of the conversation was about them. 
Uh, guess what? This is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm dealing with. This and this and this and this in my life. And they, the conversation never turns to you. That's how I get it. Who's not living a very fulfilled and purpose-filled life. Now, as a pastor, I get it. I, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to hear the needs and the concerns and the issues in people's lives. So I've said this before and I'll say it again. Don't ever think that if you're coming to me and talking to me about the issues of your life, that I'm sitting here thinking you're a selfish person. I'm not, because that's my job. But, but I'm encouraging all of us that whenever we're out and we're doing, we're fulfilling this life, that God, this purpose-driven life that we've called, he's called us to, with every encounter, with all people, with all men and women that we see, whether it's in the grocery store, in the workplace, where let it be about them. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. Love on others. Find out what's going on in their life. Here's what I found. The more we minister into others, the more it comes back to us. You can go into a situation where you're, the, even this morning, even this morning, as blessed as I am to hear you dote over me and love on me and the precious gifts that you brought, I'm going to tell you something. I, those moments, though they're very uh, humbling to me and I feel the love and I, I, I appreciate it so much and it feels so wonderful to receive that and all people need it from time to time, I will tell you, I will feel less fulfilled in those moments than in the moments whenever I'm able to pour out, when I'm able to reach in my pocket and put a $100 bill in somebody's hand, when I'm able to come and minister into your life. We've learned this a long time ago, that a fulfilled life, a life that's full of purpose, is one that always adds value to other people. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The third description that Paul gives here, it's in verse 6, and, and, and he's speaking of this, uh, describing this fulfilled, purpose-filled life, is one who gives all concerns to God. One who trusts God always, who, who gives everything to him. This is the verse that we use so many times, and, and I love it so very much. It's one that we, I have to go back to almost on a daily basis, almost, uh, almost every day, several times a day. I have to recall this, this instruction from Paul, this description of a fulfilled life from Paul when he says, be anxious for nothing. I, I love the absolutes in this verse, and he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, here we are on the week of Thanksgiving. He says, this is how you do it. You do it with a thankful heart. You do it with thanksgiving. I've learned now how to pray, or I'm learning how to pray, and I pray different now than I used to pray. Used to, I would just pray, God, would you do this? Would you please do that? God, would you work this out? Would you turn this thing around? I've learned now that I just thank the Lord as I'm bringing, God, this is what's going on in my life. It's a real issue. It's real problems. It's, there's real confusion in the middle of all of this and I'm bringing it to you and in the middle of all of it God I'm saying thank you God for the answer for what you've already provided I thank you God that you already have the answer because you are the answer and we're looking to you he says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God so he's not saying don't come to me with your concerns. He's not saying don't bring your worries to me. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. We bring our needs to him. We bring our concerns. We bring our worry. We bring our fear. We bring our doubts. We bring our confusion. We bring our anger. We bring, we bring our anger at God. We bring it all, and we bring it to him, bringing all of your concerns to God. People who are living a fulfilled life, they've learned how to do that. They've learned how to give all their concerns to God. 
in the fourth and the final description in our passage of a fulfilled, purpose-filled life is found in verse 7. And it's simply describing one who is able to experience God's wholeness. Experience God's wholeness. Paul goes on to say, he says, and the peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses, it goes beyond all understanding. It will guard your hearts, so many minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. So many people believe, well, if this situation will ever turn around, I'll finally have some peace in my life. The young single person says, if ever I have that person in my life that'll fulfill me, then I'll have some peace in my life. If ever I can get that particular job or career, then I'll be able to experience God's peace. If I could ever have this or this could turn around or change, then I'll finally be able to experience peace. And what Paul was saying here is you're never going to find true peace in anything of this earth. Thank God for good reports that we got. But it wasn't that many months ago when it was a bad report. And you know what? In the middle of the bad report, there was still something that was, that was much greater than a, than, a, than a diagnosis of cancer. There was something much greater than that that, that overwhelmed this family today, this Kimball family, and that was the peace of God, the peace that goes beyond what I can fathom in my own mind or what I understand. I don't understand what I, why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why this played out the way that it did. I, I'm, I'm full of confusion as to why this happened. But in the middle of all of that, I can still have the peace of God. In other words, I'm whole. I'm whole in Him. I'm experiencing the wholeness of God. Wholeness doesn't mean that everything is perfect. You've heard us use the, the, the uh, illustration before of a, of a, of a self-contained motorhome. Many of you like, many of you weekend warriors in the room, how many of you are out there, you know who you are. Y'all yeah, are a special breed, okay? Just, you're, you're just your own type, okay? I mean, we, we pray for you. We believe God. I don't know what's, there's nothing wrong with those perfectly good hotel rooms that cost like $70 or $80 a night. You want to lug that big thing around and, pay, and get five miles to the gallon, but so be it. You got your own closet, okay? Good, there you go. Where was I going with that? <laughs> Motor homes, that, you, you hear the term self-contained. In other words, you can pull up on any Walmart parking lot. You don't have to plug into any kind of outside source. You've got gas, you've got heat, you've got air, you've got running water, you've got sewage, you've got, you've got a bed to sleep in, you've got food to cook, and you can do it all without plugging into any external source. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, I want you to be self-contained. As a matter of fact, there's another word that Paul uses. It's called contentment. And that word contentment, Contentment is the same word that we get our word containment. In other words, everything I need, I find in him. I don't have to plug outside to get it. I, yeah, I may have hell, all kinds of hell breaking loose in my life, but I can have the peace. He says that God, and I can experience and know the wholeness of God. He says this peace is going to guard your hearts and minds. 
guards it. That, what that tells me is there's things that's going to come into my life that's going to try to steal and take my peace away. didn't say that I was just going to be overwhelmed with peace and to where everything's just overflowing and, and I'm just, I'm just hunky-dory and skipping through tulips every day of my life and everything is perfect like a beautiful spring day. He didn't say that. He says stuff's going to happen. Stuff's going to come. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to have loss in your life. You're going to get that phone call in the middle of the night that you weren't expecting. But when those things come, when the enemy comes, when, when disappointment comes, there's going to be a guard that's going to be built around your heart and your mind when you find your wholeness in him. And that guard is going to be the peace of God. God, I, I, I'm hurting right now. God, I'm disappointed right now. But there is a peace that goes beyond all understanding. There is this, there is this emotion that's rising up inside of me that I can't explain. It surpasses all understanding. So verses 4 through 7 they describe the fulfilled life, celebrate God in everything, adds value to others, gives all their concerns to God and trust him. They experience his wholeness. But then verses 8 and 9, Paul tells us how. He tells us how to live that fulfilled, purpose, correct, fulfilled life. He's instructing us to fill our minds correctly, put the right stuff in that cranium. Uh, only allow the right stuff in between those ears. I, I, I had, the, I had the, the great disappointment and the great joy of getting to visit with a member of our church this week that, 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 that is about to face some difficult things and, 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 and fixing to deal with some stuff in their life and they see it coming and, and, and there's going to be some challenges. But I loved in that conversation that it didn't take very long for the, for the conversation to turn from this is what I'm dealing with it's a reality of life. This is what we're going to have to face. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to declare God's word over every part of my life. I'm going, to, I'm going to speak and declare who he is in my life. I will not let the circumstances of life steal my peace and my joy. I love this passage, uh, this, this Philippians 4, 8, and 9. I love it in the message version. It, it, it says it this way. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll, be, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating. I, I, I wish I could take more time to talk about meditation. It's a word, and it's something that the New Age world kind of stole from the church. The meditation is God's idea. It was his idea first. It was in his word first. Uh, others in this kind of New Agey type of mindset have stolen it, and how we put it, but it was God's idea to meditate. As a matter of fact, we talk about our prayer lives. We talk about how we pray. And so many times I think we've been guilty. I, let me just say, I've been guilty of going into that time of prayer and 95% of that prayer time is spent with me talking to God. Tell him all about my troubles. He'll hear my faintest cry and he'll answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn it, you'll know a little fire is burning. Is that right? Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. That's right. I love that song. And I love having my little talks with Jesus, I do. But 95% of my time with him shouldn't be me talking. Believe me, he's got a lot more to say than I do. He's got way more wisdom than I do. About 5% of it ought to be me saying, okay, God, here's my petitions. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with in my life. And then the other 95% ought to be me closing my mouth, 
clearing my mind of all the stuff that I want to hold on to and, and harbor in my life and opening myself up and saying, God, I just, want to, I just want to release everything in my life. I want to surrender everything in my life. And God, I just want to spend these next 10 minutes just doing nothing but letting you download into my spirit what you want to speak into my spirit. That's what meditation is. It's clearing the mind. It's allowing God, allowing truth to come into our lives. And so he says, summon it all up, friends. I say to you, do, do, do be- you do best by filling your mind and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. Listen to this. The best and not the worst. The beautiful and not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I love that. Go, go download the message version on your Bible and just pull up on your Bible app and, 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 and just pull up Philippians 4 and read how it said there. The renowned author James Allen in his book, As a Man Thinketh, he said this, the greatest discovery in our generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes. Our whole life, the whole direction and even trajectory of our lives can all be changed and transformed just by us changing our minds over and over. God's word speaks to us about the renewing of the mind, washing out the old, bringing in the new, opening ourselves up, having a new and a fresh and a right attitude, specifically today, an attitude of gratitude. Here we're entering into the week of Thanksgiving, my favorite week of the year. The reason it's my favorite week, it's not because I don't think that the Christmas is amazing and special. It's the greatest gift when God sent his son to the earth to be, to be our redeemer and our savior. But, but I love this week because, because of what we've turned Christmas into. Christmas is now so commercialized and it's all about buying presents and it's all about trees and ornaments and, 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 and the hustle and the bustle and all of that. It's got, we, we, we've turned it into something that it was never intended to be and hey I'm guilty I love buying and I love getting and I love Christmas trees and I love Christmas carols and I love the parades I love it all I enjoy it all but but unfortunately we've made our life so busy during the month of, of December because it's all about this this uh, uh, just hoopla that we that we've gotten ourselves into but the Thanksgiving week there's nobody going out trying to get that last-minute gift. There's nobody trying to up-gift anybody. There's nobody trying to re- re-gift anybody. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you got it stuck, stuck away right now. So-and-so gave you that gift. It's been back there. So I got just the right person this year. Hopefully, they'll forget they gave it to me last year. The sad part is you end up giving it to the same person that gave it to you the year before, and then you're in trouble. I've done it before. But anyway, <laughs> but the week of Thanksgiving... This is a time of counting our blessings. It's a time of evaluating and, and reevaluating. It's a, it's a time of reflecting on the good in our lives, celebrating God's, faithful, God's faithfulness in our lives even during the bad times. We're reflecting back over the last year since last Thanksgiving. And we realize that, you know what, I've been through some dark times. I've been through some disappointing times in the last year. But God, you've been faithful. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of gratitude. It's my belief that the way, the way to have a fulfilled and a purpose-filled life is to live with an attitude of gratitude. Paul shows us some things about people 
with this kind of attitude. Number one, people with an attitude of gratitude, they possess a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. God help us all to be pliable in his hands. God help us all not to get so callous and so hard that, 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 and so set in our ways and so, and, and so single-minded that, that, that we're never at that place where God can, can speak to us and transform us and change us and teach us something and, and make us new. In verse 9, he says, put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've experienced, what you've seen. In other words, if, if you're really listening to me, if you're, really, if you're really paying attention to this letter that I'm writing to you uh, in Philippi Church, I, 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 want you to, I want you to just really pay close attention. Allow your teachable to be teachable. People with an attitude of gratitude, they have a teachable spirit. They, they, they kind of have open hearts and open minds and say, God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to speak to me, if you want to change my heart, if you want to change my mind, yes, I see it this way, but God, teach me, show me, reveal to me what you want me to see, what you want me to know. Make, give me a teachable spirit. Having a teachable re- re- spirit requires a, a, sometimes a long, hard look in the mirror. This is something I've had to do many times in my life, and I still do it to this day. Those stinking attitudes come into my life. Sometimes I get that sense of entitlement. I deserve this to be better. Sometimes I get that feeling of justification in my anger and my unforgiveness. And I have to go and I have to look in the mirror and look at this guy face to face and say, how about the one with no sin in his life? How about he be the first one to cast the stone? How about he be the one to to, to not hold a grudge? And so so here we are. We're, We're in this place where we have to Look at ourselves. We have to take a long, hard look at ourselves sometimes. So quick to cri- we're so quick to criticize others. We're so quick to look at, the, look at the, uh, the splinter in somebody else's eye when we've got a massive log hanging out of our own. Having a teachable spirit means to take a long look at ourselves. Having a teachable spirit allows God and others to speak into our lives. I hate to tell you today, but there's been times in my life when God placed the right people at the right time to speak truth, to speak correction, to speak speak direction in my life because they were in their right mind and I wasn't. And unfortunately, because it wasn't what I wanted to hear at the time, because I was still holding on to something that I really didn't need to be holding on to because because I, I wasn't living that fulfilled life because of that. Because of that, I missed my opportunity. But I thank God for, I thank God for the, I didn't write it down, I can't remember exactly how it says, the, what is it, the faithful wounds of a friend? I thank God for some of those. I, I don't know if I said it right, but that's, that, that's what I meant for it to say. The faithful wounds of a friend. I'm thankful for some people in my life. One of those is our newest worship leader. He's been my best friend since I was born. He's a whole lot older than me. A whole lot. Like at least 24 months. But we grew up together our whole lives. We've been best friends our whole life. One of, one of my dearest and best friends is sitting back there in that sound booth right now who we've been together for, what, 17 years, 18 years, something like that, as friendships. And in and, 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 and true heart-level friendships, you get real. You get real. They, they see the worst and the best in you. You see the worst and best in them. And, and we've got to put ourselves in those positions to allow others to speak into our lives if they truly have our best interests 
at heart. And having a teachable spirit allows us to do that. And I'm thankful that this man and this man, and there's others in my life, men of God, iron sharpens iron, uh, those that come around you, and they'll, they'll support you, and they'll love you, and they'll promote you, and they'll celebrate you, but they'll also be the ones to sit you down in confidence and say, you know what, you're going down the wrong trail here. You need to change your attitude. You need to change the way you're looking at these things. And with a teachable spirit, with a teachable spirit, now if you don't know me, you don't have a relationship with me, don't be coming to me and telling me how to live my life. Unless, you, unless, unless you've walked that road with me, then, then you don't have a right to, but, but we all need those people in our lives. So number one, people with an attitude of gratitude, they possess a teachable spirit. Number two, people with an attitude of gratitude, they take responsibility for their own attitude. In verse eight, Paul says, fill your mind with good things. It's your job to do that, he's saying. He's saying, God's not just going to supernaturally come put good things in your mind. You've got to clear your mind. You've got to fill your mind with the good things. Fill your mind with good things. Meditate on those good things. You've got to make that conscious effort, Paul is saying. You you can't wait for the goosebumps. You can't feel for a church service when we're singing beautiful songs and the presence of God comes and fills the room and I feel him. We can't just wait for those moments. I got to make that conscious decision on Monday morning and Tuesday morning when I'm facing hell, when I'm facing issues of life, when when I'm dealing with disappointment and abandonment. In those moments, I've got to make the choice. I've got to fill my mind with good things. I got to meditate on good things. I got to put into practice those good things. He's already given it to us in his word. Can I just tell you this? People who live with an attitude of gratitude, they're not critical people. You ever been around critical folks? There's none of those in this room, or you wouldn't be here. Because believe me, there have been, there's plenty to criticize around here. You know, first you, can, you can begin with the preacher up here. Well, he don't preach the Bible the way I think he ought to. He don't preach out of the right version of the Bible. I don't like the way they sing those songs up there. What, you heard... Uh, was it Tommy or Billy saying that this morning? Somebody, it, it, it wouldn't take you long to find something or somebody to criticize in your marriage, in your home, in your family. We've all been guilty of, of we, we get that sense about us and we begin to, cri- we're so super critical. But if I'm living with an attitude of gratitude, I, I don't have room for criticism in my life. There are people who are the infamous church hoppers. You know who they are. It's been six months, and they've been through my whole churches, and every one of them was the one. I mean, like the tractor beam from heaven came down. I mean, this is my home. This is my place. But guess what? Somebody hurt them. Somebody disappointed them. Somebody didn't do something the way they thought. So all of a sudden, what was the greatest place on the earth and the greatest people in the world, now all of a sudden, they're, they're they're the arch enemies of my life. And now I'm going down here to this other perfect church with all those perfect people. But people with an attitude of gratitude, they're not critical. They they can see past the flaws in others. They can accept the flaws in others. They can love people through the flaws in others, whether it be in their home, in their family, with their spouse, in their church family, wherever it may be. People with an attitude of, of gratitude are not critical people. You ever had those conversations with folks that everything's wrong with everybody else? And there's never been this. Wait a minute, there's a common denominator in every one of these relationships, and guess what? You're it. (laughs) If something's wrong with all these people, one, either something's wrong with you, or you need to find a new group of people to be hanging out with. People say, well, drama just follows me. 
Drama don't follow anybody. I have drama sometimes. I face drama. But if it's around me all the time and I'm dealing with it all the time, guess what? I am the common denominator. I am the kind of get. I need to change me. I need to get a new, a new attitude. I need to get a belt across my behind and get an attitude adjustment. That's right. Come on. Good preaching. Good preaching right there. I was so, I, I, I'm, a self, I'm a self-loather sometimes. And I, uh, I, I'll criticize myself. I'm closing, by the way. Landy, come on. I'm closing. I just looked. It's 1149. You're going to be mad at me if I keep you past 12 today. Because, Daddy, let me just tell you, we had a good Sunday last week. You weren't here. We had a good Sunday. I mean, worship was amazing. You had to slip out early. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I preached. This is the best sermon I ever preached last Sunday. I mean, I, I brought fire down from heaven. I mean, people were slain all across. I'm, here, I, I'm, now I'm lying in the pulpit. My goodness. Wait, I, I just went a little too far there, just a little too far. We had a great time. And guess what? A wonderful time in the altar. People being blessed and touched and lives changed. And we were still out of here at 10 till 12. You've taught me well. You've trained me well. I'm getting there. I'm getting there eventually. But I, I'm a self-loather. I, I, I'll criticize myself way more than I'll criticize somebody else. And just a couple weeks ago, I was visiting with a precious lady in our church. She's sitting toward the back, about three rows from the back, about three seats from the side. Anyway, um, let's figure it out. It's Miss Diane Timms. Anyway, I was having a great conversation with her, and we were just, and I was just kind of talking. She said to me, I wish I could do this better. I wish, I, I, I try not to do this, but sometimes I probably do this. You know what she said to me? This was food to my soul. This was medicine for my spirit. She said, you know, I just never really look at those things about you. I don't, I don't notice those things because I'm not looking for those things. I'm looking for the good things. That's an attitude of gratitude. Can I just say this? God, well, number three in my, in my real closing here, people with an attitude of gratitude travel the high road. People with an attitude of gratitude will always travel the gratitude travel the high road. God chooses what we go through. We choose how we go through it. God chooses what we go through. Someone reminded me of this famous phrase that just this past week, who was going through something. And they reminded me of this amazing, this amazing quote, and I believe it applies. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Verse, verse 8 tells us to fill our minds and meditate on good things. In, in the message it says meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful and not the ugly, things to praise and not to curse, the best. Think on the best. Meditate on the best. What's our minds been consumed with? Are we consumed with the worry? Are we consumed with the worst thing that's happening in our life? Are we consumed with the, with the bad stuff that's going on in our nation? Or are we looking at the best? Are we looking for the beautiful or are we focused on the ugly? Are, 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 we, are we looking at things to praise and, 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 and magnify and, and the, the good things in our lives? Are we always looking for something to curse and criticize? Think about the prodigal son, the, the older brother at the end of the parable. The prodigal son, he's inside at daddy's house having a party. 
But the older brother, he's outside of the house with a stinking attitude. He could have been enjoying it all. He could have been right up in the middle of festivities. He didn't lose anything. He still was going to get his inheritance. He still was going to get his. And Jesus was showing us two things in this story. He was showing us, one, the unconditional love of the Father. But he was also showing us the sin that will keep us out of the house and keep us from enjoying all of the amazing blessings of God that he has for us. It's the sin of a wrong attitude instead of a heart of gratitude. Same house. I wonder how sometimes it is in, in many people's lives how there can be two people living in the same house. Two people going through the same circumstances of life. Going through the same tragedy maybe or the same bad news. And there's one, I've seen it happen, I've seen it play out too many times. Maybe it's with a married couple or just two people going through the same issue of life. And one will grab a hold of faith and the other grabs a hold of fear. And they begin to shrink away from life itself. The low road is this, it's treating people worse than they treat you. I, I have to admit, I've been guilty of that at times. I've been guilty of treating people worse than they treat me. I, I, I've, been the, I've been the recipient of people's goodness whenever I was maybe dishing out judgment and wrath. The middle road is where most of us find ourselves, though. The middle road is treating people the same as they treat you. And we feel better about that. See, that's how we do. We justify. We like fair. Well, they did this to me. I can do this to them. They feel this way toward me. I feel that way about them. And we justify it. That's the middle road. That's the middle road. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you something. As people of God, as children of God, we don't need to be satisfied with the middle of the road. God's called us to higher than if he's called us to a road, a fulfilled, purpose-filled life, he's called us to the high road. And the high road says, I'm going to treat people better than they treat me. I'm going to use, I'm going to use the instruction Jesus gave when he says, love your enemies. Do good for those who, who hurt you. Just pour out. Do, do, do more. Show out a little bit. Take the high road. Number four, finally. People with an attitude of gratitude understand the value of everything, everything. Everybody say everything they face in life. Would you stand with me today? People with an attitude of gratitude, they understand the value of everything that they face in life. Can I tell you there's value in everything? You're going to get something out if God has anything to do with it and he has everything to do with everything. If he has anything to do with it, when you come through whatever it is you're going through, there's going to be great value. There's going to be a great prize on the other side of that because you find the value in everything. Can I just say that unless there's a chemical imbalance, people who live with an attitude of gratitude, they don't struggle with depression. If I'm living with an attitude of gratitude, I can't be depressed. Because to be depressed, I have to think on something that's great pressing. I, I, my mind has to be somewhere that's not grateful and thankful. You've heard it said before, I, I, I complained about having no shoes till I met the man who had no feet. Well, that, that, that's a nice little cute little thing to think about. And I understand the meaning behind it. You know, there's always somebody worse off than you. But you know, I've seen it where the man that had no feet was in a better place 
than the man who had many, many riches because of attitude. Because of attitude. And attitude of gratitude. And I believe having an attitude of gratitude can literally change the environment wherever we are. If there's been tension in your home, if you walk into your home today with an attitude of gratitude, I believe it'll change the environment. It'll be like a sweet spray. It'll be like a, it'll be like a beautiful uh, aroma that'll begin to fill the house whenever you just walk in with an attitude of gratitude. God, I thank you. I thank you for where we are today. I thank you for blessing us, God. You, we, we can sit here and count our blessings all day long. You've been so faithful. You've been, oh, there's plenty to criticize. There's plenty of negative going on. But God, today, we choose an attitude of gratitude. Let's choose to live with an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, giving in everything. In everything, give thanks. You know what the next line says? For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Everybody wants to know what the will of God is for their life. God, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what your will is for my life. God, I just want your will to be done. I just want your will to be... He just told us. You know what the will of God is? Give thanks in everything. When we give thanks in everything, guess what? The, the, the plan is going to be fulfilled. It's just going to automatically happen. We give thanks for everything. Could we sing a song together? And as we do, as we do today, as we sing, could, could you just take a moment, the last two minutes of our service here, maybe with an outstretched hand to the Lord today, just could we just take a moment in your own way and begin to express our thanks to the Lord? God, I'm so thankful for who you are in my life. God, give me an attitude of gratitude. I want to think on the good stuff, God. I want to focus on the blessings in my life. You've been so good to me, God. You've been so faithful. You always have been. You are today and you always will be because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want an attitude of gratitude. God, change my heart. Change my mind. Make me who you want me to be. God, I love you today and I thank you, God, for who you are. We take our focus off of the things of this earth, God. We take our focus off of our problems. We take our, we take our focus off of our issues. We, we take our, our focus off of the criticism that we want to have for others and situations. And God, we look to you the author and the perfecter of our faith. We love you today, God, and we're thankful for who you are in our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise today. God bless you. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will all
be the center of my life. for being involved in all the tiny, intricate details of our life and for loving us so perfectly, oh Lord. We're grateful today. Amen, amen. Are you grateful today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What an awesome Sunday. Go have a great day, a great week. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Be blessed in Jesus' name.